Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. In this episode, we will be examining one of, if not the most controversial figure in early Freemasonry, Philip I, Duke of Wharton. Before becoming active in Freemasonry, Wharton had been involved in setting up a notorious club, the Hellfire Club, at the tender age of 20. Indulging in all types of lewd revelry and debauchery, the club soon became notorious. Blasphemy, drunkenness, gambling, feasting, orgies, prostitution, perverse sexuality, and all vices were indulged in. The real president was the devil, with Wharton appointed as his representative on earth, commented one of the members. Bacchic rites conducted to the tune of Francois Rabelais may best describe the club. So incensed was London society at the time that King George I personally stepped in to shut, down, uh, shut it down in 1721. It's fair to say that Wharton was somewhat of a bastard. So with that in mind, why on earth was Wharton allowed to be elected as the sixth Grand Master on June the 24th, 1722? Especially of note is the fact that he appointed Dr. Desigalier, his deputy Grand Master, and James Anderson, a Grand Warden. But he didn't last long in the lodge. But why do you think they entertained Wharton at all? What was his reputation? Uh, the appointment of Wharton as the sixth Grand Master I see as possibly the genesis of accusations of Freemasonry as a satanic cult. And I would urge the listeners to research into the Dublin Hellfire Club. It makes for fascinating reading and makes the excesses of 60s rock band look a little pathetic in comparison. <laughs> uh, so, Brother Anshaw, could you tell us more about the Duke of Wharton and his Order of the Gormagons in particular? Um, I don't think it'll fit into seven minutes. I'll just talk about <laughs> um, uh, the Duke of Wharton because the Gormagons is, is a two or three podcast in itself. <laughs> but anyway, sure, just, sure. Um, Duke of Wharton is a very, uh, and I talk about him in, at length. And if I can plug my book, uh, Freemasonry Initiation by Light, um, he is a very unusual character. Uh, he was very young when his father died and uh, he had a lot of money. His father was... Um, a very rich landowner in Ireland. And um, uh, initially, Wharton was just traveling around Europe and then uh, being educated overseas in Switzerland, I think it was. And then when his father died, he came back. And for some reason, uh, the king made him a, a duke, the Duke of Wharton. At that time, he wasn't actually, uh, he was... Um, uh, the Mar Marquis of Catholof, I think it's called, um, somewhere south of Dublin. But uh, mm -hmm. King George I um, uh, distrusted the, the Tories because they were leaning towards the Jacobites. And um, so he wanted a Whig like uh, Wharton uh, on his side. So he made Wharton a duke. And he's one of the the youngest elevations ever. I think he was uh, 20 at the time um, or 19. Yes. When he was um, elevated to the house of Lords. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he was. Yeah. It's I, th I think that he wanted to be able to count on uh, Wharton's vote to support him against the Tories. But the thing is, Wharton was also a very strong Jacobite supporter. And, um, 
he supported the Jacobites in discussions in the House of Commons, which have, would have upset the the king. I really mm. don't think he he also published um, several tracts and books about the Jacobites, uh, some, particularly Prince Tokmas. Uh, it comes up later, but um, there was a uh, a coup d'état in uh, Persia at the time. And the prince was uh, overthrown, and um, uh, he was uh, sent into exile. And it was a very similar situation to um, uh, James the uh, Third, who was the old pretender, and uh, he was in exile in Rome. And so uh, Wharton drew a, uh, drew a parallel between the two of them. But the, the person was very kind of immature. He spent money trying to curry favor, particularly with um, Oxford University. He tried to get to buy himself a doctorate. Um, and then later, uh, he, well, he was gambling so much, he lost a lot of money in the South Sea bu- bubble debacle, where everybody lost, lots of people lots, lost a lot of money. Uh, that would make of an interesting story. <laughs> but anyway, so he lost all his money, he had to sell his um, estates in Ireland. So he, he no longer had any money coming in. And, you know, he's never worked in his life. He was living off his inheritance. So he uh, he owed people money. He had to escape to France. Um, he, he ended up joining um, a Spanish uh, army fighting the British in Gibraltar. He was then seen to be, uh, that was an act of treason. He had his dukedom taken away and uh, he ended up completely drunk, uh, wandering the streets of Spain and he died of consumption, which is uh, tuberculosis. So really sad, you know, um, the way he just squandered his, his inheritance. But how he became... Um, the uh, second noble grand master is that basically he elected himself. Um, The first three grand masters were looking for a noble. They had found the uh, Duke of Montague, but the Duke of Montague also wasted his money, um, actually in a a good way, supporting uh, the king uh, in one of the king's rather badly planned uh, exercises, the Duke invested his own money and uh, the Duke of Montague lost it. So he decided to step down and focus more on his family. Then the Duke of Wharton stepped in and said, oh, okay, I'll be grandmaster. And um, he basically railroaded a meeting. And um, uh, then uh, after, in kind of retrospect, the Duke of Montague said, well, he didn't want to make a big fuss of the whole thing, so let's just accept him. He is a duke, you know. Um, but as you mentioned about the Hellfire Club, I think Wharton was hoping to to turn Freemasonry into just another Hellfire Club. But um, <laughs> it didn't work out like that, and he basically um, quit after six months. He wasn't deposed or banished or demitted or anything. He just walked out and that was the end of it after six months. Um, Mm. You mentioned um, 
James Anderson being his one of the Grand Wardens. I think this is a long-held myth. Um, right. If you, if you look at the uh, constitutions of 16, uh, no, 1738, there's a picture of the Duke of, um, of Montague handing over the constitutions to the Duke of Wharton. And in the background, uh, there's actually um, uh, William Hawkins and... Um, uh, Joshua Timpson, who was who were the Grand Wardens at that time, and right. it seems that Timpson was a blacksmith, and um, Hawkins. I'm not quite sure about his background, but it it seems that he was getting support from tradesmen and um, operative masons to support him in his quest to be Grand Master. It's a very sad story. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, thanks for the clarification. It's always been a bit of a, a confusing issue why water yeah. was let in. But also the, the date 1738, that's the year that Benjamin Franklin produced his constitutions, well, the, the, the Anderson's yeah. constitutions in his own printing. And he was a member of the, another Hellfire Club, one of ah. Sir Francis Dashwood's. So th there were fashionable gentlemen's clubs that revolved around drinking and, and lewd yeah. revelry, somewhat akin to the modern day Bullingdon Club, I'm sure. But I suppose it's just one of those fashionable things for young aristocrats with too much money and not enough, not enough of an outlet to go and um, do things that young men do. Mm. <laughs> I, wouldn't <laughs> never, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. No, I've never done that. <laughs> I haven't got never a clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, Brother Unshaw. That was very eye-opening. And um, that about brings this episode to a close. If you have any questions, please email us on the link below. We now part on the square and we will meet soon. Thank you. And goodbye. Goodbye.